Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I'm a social media marketer, writer, and mom to three boys, ages five, three, and two. And I'm Terilyn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 11, 9, 5, and 3. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. Hey everyone, and we hope everybody's doing well and you're safe and your families are doing well during this COVID-19 time. Uh, I have a high five today, and that is that you guys know I am like in love with handstands, and I've like started leaning on them a little bit emotionally (laughs) during this time, and they're just such a healthy outlet for me. And my goal now for, I've been working on handstands since last September, so like seven months, and I finally am getting my 15 second handstand, like maybe 10% of the time-ish. But, like, I am so ridiculously pumped, and it's just one of those things that has been a long-term That's goal. So my my really long-term goal is a minute, <clears throat> but it's a big deal. And you might think, when my I first brought up with my husband that I wanted to learn handstands, he was like, like, hands up, stands up? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? No, this is controlled. But this is, like, controlled. This is yoga Yeah, like, yeah. and it's amazing how much strength and, like, core strength that I didn't know that handstands took. But it has been so fun to learn them and we have both Felicia and I have an awesome some awesome teachers that we anyway it's really really fun these so, people are impressive who can oh, oh my gosh it's amazing my one has teacher Helena if you ever listen to this podcast <gasps> seriously like the first time I went to her class I was like how is that even physically possible that a wow. human yeah that a human has that much muscle control yeah it's incredible because it's way less it actually is a lot less about balance than anything else it's not really like a balance thing like you think it's like a it is like a control strength flexibility of your whole body yeah it's incredible the first time I ever saw her she like went into a handstand and held her feet like two inches off the floor and was talking to us as she was doing it (laughs) Then took him up another like three inches and like kept talking and I was like, "What is happening? Yeah, it's how is amazing. this even possible? Yeah. Anyway, so that's my it's so cool. I that's love my that. high five. I'm like super pumped about my baby. Fifteen seconds. <laughs> oh no, that that is not baby. That is impressive. And when you do it, you know, you're like, well, I'm yeah, I haven't done that. But when you're learning handstands and you you progress. It's so accomplished. Yeah. You just feel, yeah. it's just like, oh my gosh, it's like yeah. when you're a kid and you do something all over yeah. again. It's so exciting. And I it's think so as adults, we, I think it's good for us to have those kinds, because those little kids, I mean, little tiny kids are learning new things all the time and feeling mm-hmm. that sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I think as adults, we have to actually kind of search it out. Like, totally. I want to learn something new yeah. and feel that sense of pride. A big challenge, yeah. It's really cool. And just to be clear, I'm doing straddle holds and like tuck holds. My straight handstand, I think I've done, like, one 15-second total. Straight's harder for me. It's very hard. Well, I'm – no, that's all impressive. That is a definite high five. Um, Okay, so my high five today is uh, for the last few nights, little Sunny Man, who is two, has been starting to get the – and those of you with multiple kids know this when the youngest one starts to want to do older – kid stuff and his recent thing is wanting to fall asleep in the big boy's room 
Like, oh. he wants to be in their room to go to sleep. Okay. So, you know, he's has some fit about it when we're taking him to his room. And it really, I don't like that stage because it's so nice when they're still in the baby and you just lay them in the crib and shut the door and that's the whole thing. Yep. And they can't come out and there's, it's just like not an option. And so, you know, we're experimenting in the quarantine. So we're like, yeah, we'll just let him try to fall asleep in there. Um, the first night that he was wanting to do this and that did not work. He was then sad. I mean, we don't even know. It just didn't work. He's crying, whatever. So then I take him in his room and he says, door open to my room? And I'm like, no, that's never going to work. Door open to your room? Like, you're going to hear everything and you're just going to be awake and you're going to be calling for me. Well, I left his door open just to test it out and he went to sleep. And now oh, wow. he just sleeps with the door open. So. Wow. Just cracked or all the way? Yeah, like cracked, like, I don't know, six inches or something. Oh, okay. That's nice. As and long as it's working. I, I was, like, no. I was so skeptical. And I still, you know, after we go to bed, I shut it or whatever. So in the morning, nothing wakes him up. But I was like, no. And all of our rooms are right by each other. <laughs> like, if you sneeze, you can hear the other. So I was like, no way. But So I have to give Sunny a high five for this idea of door open, as it were. <laughs> so cute <laughs> worked this time we'll see how long it lasts <laughs> that is always a little sad though when they move away from i just plop you in bed and you're there and you don't to, know like, otherwise <laughs> yeah to other more autonomy i know it's part of growing up but it's still hard it for is hard us parents okay so today guys we are talking about a meaty book <laughs> raising lions by joe newman it uh it's just so, so many good things, so much information. We're going to try to distill it for you guys, oh. but well. <laughs> Honestly, guys, both Felicia and I had so many notes coming oh into this. Oh my gosh. It, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's so, really so good. good. So just a little background about Joe Newman and uh, after his little, like it says, Raising Lions, and then the whole concept that he's teaching is called The Art of Compassionate Discipline. I love this guy's story because he grew up, uh, he had ADHD had struggled through school and things and his entire career after, well, the main part of his career for the past long time has been, he works with kids with serious behavior problems. So like, I mean like diagnosed really heavy mental illnesses, um, or just behavior issues like ADHD learning issues. And he literally like people will hire him to come into a school or to deal one-on-one -on -one with these individual children and help them actually like function well. And the examples in his book, I mean, it is intense behaviors. Yeah, really, really turns intense. around. Really impressive. It was actually probably the first, I mean, I've had, we've read books where they've mentioned obviously behavior issues, but we've actually never, this is the first time I've really ever read a book where, I mean, we're talking about like diagnosed really heavy um, issues. Yeah. And he like, totally leans into those. And the thing I love about it is his whole thing is just like there's a chemical component to things. There's always things you can do from a behavioral side that can help. So it's a really, he takes a really empowering stance mm -hmm. of we can really help these kids just from behavior modification, totally. which is really, really cool. So I would just like to start out by saying any of you out there who are like, my kid is really difficult for whatever reason. And you're thinking, you know, I'm beyond the help of behavior modification here. 
read his book because totally. wow, like <clears throat> I read it and was like, oh my goodness, this would be so liberating mm-hmm. if I had a kid with one of these really heavy diagnosed things. Uh, it would be so cool, and I love it because he's like, I have compassion on these kids because he's like, I've experienced I went through what this, this was like totally, and oh, it's so yeah. so good. Yeah, it's amazing. So his the overall concept of the book is that kids' brains are so malleable and we know that adults adults brains are also malleable but kids are even more and that they we can shift their behaviors with our connection and our action so he sees behavior as a type of medicine and a a vehicle for change or not behavior uh, our responses as a vehicle for change and i love this because um if you're feeling maybe like you don't have control, this book will really make you feel like mm-hmm. there is a way that I can have control. And the overarching concept with why his book is named Raising Lions is that it seems like, and I, I've heard a lot of people say this in one way or another, that kids right now are harder, more willful, more <clears throat> independent, they have stronger opinions, all of these things. And he says, we're feeling that because they are. That's how we're raising them. That we're raising them to be lions, to have opinions, to um, have self-awareness and choice and be strong. And that all of those things are good things. Mm-hmm. We want that. Yeah. And it's kids. creating lions is yes. what he calls them. Yes. Like we're creating these really powerful people. Yes. Yeah. And he said what gets tricky in a parent-child dynamic is that we then have to also have a strong hold on the situation. We can't then be a lamb. So we can't be a lamb parent, super permissive, letting them walk all over us, in quotes, hypersensitive, overprotective, indulging everything they want, because that you can see how that power dynamic is mm-hmm. destructive in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So his his whole... I think the main point of his book is finding that balance between connecting to our kids and power. So um, we've talked about this with the soul of discipline, but it's getting to a place of authoritative parenting, really. Mm-hmm. So you don't you want, you don't want to be overly permissive, and you don't want to be authoritarian where you think your way is the only way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and. With authoritarian, it's kind of like you're the tyrant, right? Right. <laughs> but with overly permissive, it's kind of like the kid's the tyrant. Right. So we're trying to avoid tyranny on all <laughs> sides, right? Yes. We don't do all the tyranny. <clears throat> okay, something that I love about this whole concept, and this is, again, let's start from a place of gratitude for where we are. Because in generations past, he's like, yes, you didn't have as many kids who were willful because they were just being squashed all the time, totally. you know, and shamed <laughs> and parented with shame, right? Yep. That's how you can get your kids to obey. But now that we have this, like, let's create independence and and that they do have power, the thing is, and Felicia, as you were describing this, I thought this as he, I was reading his book, and then I thought this again as you were talking. So I have a horse, and this is if you're into dog training or any kind of animal training, and I'm not saying, uh, there just is a connection when you're teaching anything. Mm-hmm. With a horse, if you think, if you make the horse feel like it's in control, mm-hmm. then the relationship becomes super, like, dysfunctional because... You're the one with the human mind. Totally. And so it's this interesting dynamic of like, 
when the horse learns to trust you, like, trust mm-hmm. me. Like, I, mm-hmm. if I'm telling us to go this way, it's because I know with my human mind that this, this is, is the right safest way. way yeah. mm-hmm. Right? But if the horse thinks, I got to be in charge here because my human doesn't know what he's, what she's doing, then it creates this really dysfunctional relationship. So I love it because uh, he is really allowing us, just like you, it's, it's, there's still a hierarchy. Like, we're still the adults in the situation. Mm-hmm. I feel like Joe Newman is giving us the permission to be the adults again. Yeah. Yep. Instead of just being like, oh, well, our kids, you know, need to be independent, so I'm just going to mm-hmm. let them run the thing, which we've talked mm-hmm. about this. Being permissive without boundaries just is creating <laughs> monsters. <laughs> monsters. You know? Mm-hmm. And again, dysfunctional relationship. Mm-hmm. We still have to set these limits. But the way he phrases it is just like, I felt, I left being like, yeah, I'm okay. Yep. I have permission to be the adult in the situation. Yep. And that's okay. Yep. So... Anyway, I kind of just love that whole concept going forward that we do have a lot in our control. Totally. Kids get to be in charge of their behavior and we get to be in charge of the consequences and what mm-hmm. limits we set. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really liberating space to be as a parent. Yes. And he describes it as meeting the hand. And I love this picture in my mind of of meeting your child's hand. So it's that balance of power of they get to go and choose what they're going to do. And then you're going to, you're not going to then just not be there and that they can do whatever they want. You just picture this like hands, like floundering around, like I need help or on the flip side, what slapping the hand away or grabbing it roughly and dragging them. It's like that middle ground of, okay, I'm here. I'm going to meet your hand. I see what you want and I'm going to show you the options or I'm going to show you the consequence of that consequence of those actions but you are you're the parent I love that visual of of meeting their hand like it is compassionate it is mm-hmm. helpful for them to know that there are boundaries yeah and and picture in that situation your kid's about to do anything that you consider inappropriate so right maybe it's they're reaching out to hit another kid mm-hmm. meeting the hand would be so being permissive would be just like oh whatever yeah and being authoritarian would be like grabbing them and like yanking them around and mm-hmm. maybe hitting them. Mm-hmm. And then the meeting the hand is you literally are putting your hand there and stopping them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I love, I love that imagery because we know this from Janet Lansbury. We know this from all sorts of the stuff that Felicia and I talk about here, but that anytime a kid does, Oh, and in the soul of discipline, there's the, he calls it pinging. Mm-hmm. But anytime a kid does something, especially the, something we consider a misbehavior, they are asking do I have all the power here? Mm-hmm. Is there anybody out there who has power? Mm-hmm. And when we come in and actually meet their hand, it's a way of showing that they live in a world with other people with power as well. Mm-hmm. Because can you imagine growing up to be an adult thinking you're the only one with power? You're right. going to be a terrible adult to be right. around. Right. So it's important that we're teaching <clears throat> our kids, yes, you have power, mm-hmm. but so do other people. Mm-hmm. And other you have needs and other people have mm-hmm. needs too. Mm-hmm. And by meeting their hand, you're kind of teaching them that, Yes, you have power and so do I. And I love it because and I've, we've read this before, but he, oh, he emphasizes this again, that when kids act out or they're reaching out to say, does somebody else have power and nobody does anything, mm-hmm. they actually internalize it as abandonment, which is crazy, crazy. because they feel unmoored, like unanchored. Mm-hmm. Like I have so much power here. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And so kids actually really need somebody to come and actually set a limit or a boundary Totally. To meet that hand and it actually creates security, which is the opposite. Because I think sometimes we think, 
we'll give them all the power in the world. It's fine. Yeah. But they actually internalize it as abandonment. So totally. we yeah. literally are there to and set that control. framework, mm-hmm. that playpen, that whatever you call it. We've called it so many things. Mm-hmm. But I just love that way of looking at it. Me too. Yeah, I think boundaries are, yeah, amazing. So when you're looking at our kids and you're saying, okay, so how is my kid, if, if maybe you have a kid who is railing a little bit, if you can look at it in stages of development, um, Joe Newman explains it in the book, and I loved how he explained it. So he said, okay, as a baby, they don't see themselves at all separate from you. And you've heard about the study where they, like, draw marker on the mom's face, and the baby tries to, like, wipe it off its own face. <laughs> like, there's no yeah. concept of I'm, I'm just you and you are me, and then they move into... so sweet. I love kind of a so tender cute. time of life. It really is. And then they move into... <clears throat> that toddler stage, you know, this is where people are talking about terrible twos, terrible threes, whatever, um, where they, this is where most of the challenges begin. Again, they're asking those questions, who's in charge here? And they are omnipotent. They, they are testing every boundary. And this is the time that they are in opposition from you. And that is good. It's healthy. Um, but then this is the time you need to show those boundaries. And if you can recognize it, it's not to say that there isn't going back if your kid's past this point, right? Like we can, that's the beauty of kids. They're malleable and they can change. But this is, if you can start to establish these boundaries now and coach them through it in this stage of, of where they're pushing for that um, dependence, this is the easiest place for them to learn the interdependence. Mm-hmm. And that's totally normal in development. Right? right, right. And he even says terrible twos is a thing that's been around for a long time. Right. Like now, though, you hear people saying terrible threes, fours, and fives. Like, it's just extending it's progressing. that <laughs> omnipotent period. Yes. For some people, indefinitely. Like, you mm-hmm. see adults who have never grown out of that. It's so Those true. are very rare. Yeah. And lots of times it has to do with actually, like, really sad things happen mm-hmm. as a kid. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah. It, you do. Yeah. You can be stuck in yeah. that. I can't see anybody else but myself. Totally. Totally. And I love how he, so he brought this up that our kids are articulate younger and younger. So as parents were reading to them earlier, we're talking to them from babies, all, this is all good, all good things. And so they can speak at much younger ages than ever before. Great. But we're still trying to reason with them as if they are morally up to their, how they can articulate. And it was like a light bulb in my head when he said, they, they're they not going to respond to this moral, like talking back and forth and explaining why we don't hit and blah, blah, blah. They respond to action because they're still two. Mm-hmm. Even if they yeah. can say a full sentence somehow, because we've read them a million mm-hmm. books, which is great. Again, mm-hmm. it's that we need to recognize where they are at emotionally and mm-hmm. respect that and protect them and not leave them to, oh, we don't hit and and please don't do that because it's not nice. And then they still yeah. hit and then they're in trouble. Yeah. Let me explain the philosophy behind right. this and you should understand it. Yes, right? exactly. So I love that explanation of like we need to still see them as emotionally young uh-huh. because they are. Yes. And but even at that age, they totally understand I hit somebody and my mom moved me away from that. Right. That right. person. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, not out of mm-hmm. anger or anything, but just mm-hmm. simply, oh, wow, like she removed it. Here. Right. And that, they get action, they understand. Yep. 
again, to emphasize, kind, unruffled action. Right. Not out of anger action. <laughs> exactly. But they get that, whereas, like, a philosophical discussion about it, they're not going to grasp. No. And even you they see They might pick up the shame of it if you're, like... Totally. You're so... If they might pick up a concept you're so of, like, mean they're really or, mean or bad. Right. right. They'll pick totally. up that energy, but... Yeah. Totally. And then if you can establish it then, then as they grow into kids, they are going to have that interdependence where they see... They recognize that there's, it's not just you in this world. That's just what comes into my mind. But as toddlers, it's normal to be in that omnipotent mind space. But they, they should grow out of it if they can, if you can set those boundaries and they have that safe meet the hand. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I loved his explanation. And an important, I think, kind of preliminary philosophy that of his that I actually agree with. He says, oftentimes we... Think of little kids as angels, which is putting this moral thing on them or they're little devils. You know what I mean? Like people right. think one or the other. And his whole thing is kids, we learn morals as we grow, mm -hmm. but kids are neither angels nor devils. They're, he calls it amoral. Like mm -hmm. they understand cause and effect, mm -hmm. but long lectures about morals mm -hmm. aren't going action. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good way to look at it because... When we're teaching our children, it's all about teaching them that this action creates this result. Mm -hmm. This space you have freedom in. And then here, within this framework, though, yeah, like if you hit or do this or this, that's where I'll stop mm -hmm. you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They'll understand those things. Mm -hmm. And I think it also, I think that approach also helps you avoid shaming. Because mm -hmm. if you're looking at, say, for example, like when little kids lie, Janet Lansbury has some excellent articles on this. We think we we have put their framework on our adult mind, and we're mm -hmm. thinking, oh no, if I was lying like that, I'd right. be a pathological liar. Right. But they're dishonest. And they are kids. Yeah. Like they're literally just testing out things. Like, mm -hmm. what does this get me if I lie? Do I get what I want? They're literally just testing stuff out. So if we can take off that, like, oh, they're either good or bad people because they're doing things that we consider morally, you know bad or good mm -hmm. when we can take that off i think it allows us to parent in a way that we can still have limits and still meet that hand without putting undue shame on them mm -hmm. for like mm -hmm. oh my gosh i can't believe you said you didn't take the marble <laughs> when clearly i mean like we're adults we can see they have the marble in their hand right you know what i mean it's so right. funny right but if we can just look at it as simple cause effect and we're mm -hmm. teaching them cause and effect i think it also just allows us to step away from our own fears totally. for a second and just avoid shame a lot. Yes. Which is a really helpful way of looking at it. I like that he does that. Mm -hmm. And to be clear, I'm not saying I think morals are super important. But morals right. are something that we grow into mm -hmm. through loving teaching. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that toddlers just immediately come out of the box. And it doesn't mean they're bad or good. Doing. Right. It doesn't mean they're bad or right. good because yeah. they lied about something. You right. I mean? Or they push the kid down the slide or whatever. Yeah. yeah I think removing that weight of knowing my kids still I mean like I remember thinking of this with Cohen is he just is he just like a mean kid who hates babies because he would like push Lenny over when he was mm -hmm. little mm -hmm. and just removing that weight of he's he's whatever he's doing it's not because he's a bad kid he's re he's reaching out for me he needs connection whatever it is but removing that projecting into their future self stress mm -hmm. is really helpful Okay, so Joe lays out, Joe, my buddy, um, he lays out three types of 
behaviors that kids exhibit, and then five types of responses that as parents we can respond with. And we want to run through these and explain them to you and then go into more detail on what were our favorite explanations of how we can respond from this book. So the three types of behavior that you can... And with these three types, I like it because he's saying these are the only kinds of behavior there is. Right. And these are the only kind of responses there is. Mm -hmm. So I like it because you can actually it's apply like this to yeah. everything. Yeah. Because everything you're ever going to deal with as a parent falls into one of these categories. That's so great. Yes, yes. So the first type of behavior is a benign behavior, um, which is when a child just does something with positive intention but doesn't understand a rule. So maybe this is the first time your baby – oh, this is a good example. Good job, me. Just kidding. But when your baby first, you have food on their tray and they're just throwing the food off the tray. Yeah. Totally benign. They don't yeah. know. They're just experimenting. Yeah. They're just checking it out, yeah. you know? And we should, I guess, call these three types of misbehavior. Because we're talking right. about just kids, things kids are doing that you don't want them to right. do. Right, right. Misbehavior. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or another example of this is like in a classroom if a kid just blurts out the answer because they're excited. I'm right. oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> Impulsive. Erase that. <laughs> Erase that, guys. I'm so sorry. Yes. Those two but do overlap just, you don't a know the bit. rules, though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Maybe you didn't know you need to ask. His example mm -hmm. was, sorry, if in a classroom a kid doesn't know they need to ask before they leave the classroom. Right. And they just leave the classroom, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they just didn't know the rules. Right, That's right. That's exactly yes. yes, so totally just no intention, no intention or good intention behind it. The next type is malignant. So uh, this is, I would say, probably a bulk of behaviors, but mm -hmm. the child knows what to do or not. They understand that they're not supposed to do something and they still do it with a negative intention. So hitting someone, banging the wall with a stick, throwing a paper airplane in class, thats those are all malignant behaviors. <clears throat> and Which then, are, you're right, he says, are most behaviors. Benign is like the smallest percentage right. of misbehaviors. <laughs> it happens once and then they, they know. <laughs> most are, they know I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't kick the dog, yes. but I'm still going to kick yes, the dog. Yes, I'm going to test that out. And then the last type is impulsive so the child understands that they're not supposed to do they know the rules but they also don't have a negative intention behind like okay so then i'm going to hit someone it's more it's un it's impulsive they can't control so in class teacher asks a question and they just blurt out an answer instead of raising their hand first they, they're not doing it to be with a negative intention behind it it's just, they can't help it. It's just a kid, bleh, you know? It's a word vomit. Yeah. Which even as adults, we have. We have those all the time. Things. And then there's five types of responses to these misbehaviors that we as parents can do. Four are excellent options, but some are only appropriate for certain situations, which we'll explain. And then there's one, one section of responses that we don't, we want to avoid at all costs. Mm -hmm. So the first type of response is information. So this is for benign behaviors. If the kid needs information because they just didn't know the rule or they didn't know what the limit was, that's a really great time for you to just explain what that rule is. You know, this is mm -hmm. the boundary that I'm setting in. This is the rule in our house with that. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just didn't know. Mm -hmm. Or in a classroom. Really good example. Mm -hmm. However, information is only good for benign behaviors. Never use them for malignant. Mm -hmm. I fall into this category, guys. I am an over-information person. 
I, I know. Think a lot of us are. Yeah. I know. I talk too much. Mm-hmm. Well, as in, like, I use information to explain. I over-explain, and so information is good, but only use it for benign behaviors, not for malignant behaviors. Mm-hmm. And we'll go into this a little bit more in when we we break down some options for response. But I think this is a really great place to look at. Am I lecturing and giving a bunch of energy to behaviors that my kids are doing that they know not to do? Yes. So really it's making it not that not that hard of a thing for like it's it's no they're getting this attention, they're getting this energy from you. It's really just annoying you as a parent. For them, they're like, Yeah, great, you're gonna tell me about why not to hit again. Fun. Let's chat. <laughs> totally. And I like the idea here that you're actually giving them confidence that you know they already know the rule. Right. So yeah, if you I know for that. sure they already know this rule, don't keep going over it. Right. For right. your sake. <laughs> you're right. For our own sanity. Let's not keep going over it. Seriously, if and I have it, to say And it helps time. give them Trust, like we we actually know we have confidence that you already know. Yes, that you're not supposed to hit your brother. Well, right, we've established right. that. Right. right, and I think it's like a parenting, just idiom. Like, how many times do I have to tell you if you right. if you're feeling that or saying that? Probably no more times. You're probably saying it too much. <laughs> yeah, you're probably past. So the next type of response is action, and I think action is well, and and Joe explains this as action is what kids understand the very most. They, it's concrete. He's like, words can mean a lot of things and we can go back and forth on our words and we can change rules and one person has one rule and the other person has a different rule, but action responses are totally concrete. So usually they're the most effective. So this is any sort of, you know, um, removing your child from a situation or if they're, Breaking something, just simply taking the thing away. Again, not from a place of judgment. This is just the consequence of the action. Mm -hmm. From an unruffled space. Mm -hmm. And I like it because he deals a lot with teenagers and older kids, Mm -hmm. um, which a lot of the books you read are specifically for younger kids. So I love it because oftentimes for us with younger kids, it requires us to pick our child up and move them somewhere Mm -hmm. as an action. Uh, But I like it because even as adults... I mean, as like teenagers, Felicia and I were talking about this. We had teachers who would do this, and it was so amazing. Mm-hmm. If the rule was no talking to your, while the teacher's talking, and somebody talked, the teachers we really respected would just super calm. Like, it isn't yeah. like they're reacting in anger. It would just be like, hey, Devin, come sit in this seat. Mm-hmm. Like, so simple. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. require anything physical. Mm-hmm. Or but, even go just stand by him. Yeah. Touch his shoulder. Yeah. Like, like I see I you. See you. Yeah. And it's just a simple action without mm-hmm. judgment. Mm-hmm. Judging meaning, like, you're so terrible for doing this. Right. Right. Just like a simple consequence, mm-hmm. and it works with any age of kids. Really so does. if you're, and I don't know if he says the actual number ninety percent, but he does say the most most misbehaviors are malignant. Like they know they shouldn't, and they mm-hmm. do. And so therefore, most of your responses should be action, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. for malignant behavior, action is the mm-hmm. the kind of action right. that they need. Right, that works the, the best kind of response. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and then the next kind of response is ignoring or accommodating. So. I, yeah, this rings the most true with impulsive behaviors. So sometimes if, say, and all of you out there homeschooling right now, you're trying to, you know, do a lesson on letters or something, and your kid's just fidgeting, fidgeting, wiggling. You, you guys can't see Felicia. <laughs> She's like wiggling her head back and forth. <laughs> or just, you know, kind of walking around or pacing or those kind of things that can be annoying, but... 
if you make a big deal out of them, it's probably just going to accentuate the behavior. And or some kids need to do stuff like that. They need to kind of move or pace or do certain things so we can just ignore or accommodate. He talks about this in the classroom. If there's a kid who can really get his writing done by standing at the edge of his desk and writing, it's probably an impulsive behavior that we can accommodate instead of turning into a corporal like yes. sit down yes yeah which i love and actually ignoring i love that he like explains that ignoring is acceptable <laughs> i know because for so many behaviors for me it's just like oh. i'm not going to give energy to that no yeah. it's not worth like setting a hard limit on but mm -hmm. i don't really want to like feed it any kind of energy so i'm right. just gonna ignore it and yeah. i think tons of behavior just falls into that oh yeah like, you know i can what? think of so many things like my kids are doing and if i were to respond they'd probably keep doing them but they do it like three times they're not getting any reaction and then and then it's it just disappears. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because not everything is worth setting a strong limit on. Right. That's exhausting. Yeah, right? totally. So I love it that that's like a, it's okay to ignore and accommodate different, different behaviors. Mm -hmm. uh, then the last kind of response is all the other inappropriate responses. So here's some examples. of mm -hmm. So those ones that we just listed, all appropriate, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. These ones are inappropriate. Shame, meaning you're even like the energy of like, you are bad because you're doing this, mm -hmm. right? Anger, name calling, oh my, oh my goodness, like you're stupid, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Insults of any kind, yelling, sarcasm, which wow, guys, the more I've learned about sarcasm, it's difficult because we value humor, mm -hmm. but sarcasm is meant to be biting, using humor as biting and mm -hmm. hurtful. And I think if we model this as parents, I've actually seen it several times in families where then the kids become biting to each other and mm -hmm. it's really unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And rhetorical questions. Hitting, hitting your child, obviously, uh, inappropriate. He actually, if you have any questions about hitting your kid, I would just recommend reading his book because he actually yeah. goes into detail about why, why it's best not to hit your child. Yeah. So it's yeah. really good. And yeah. in case you're wondering, mm -hmm. and, and as I say that, I bet a lot of you are like, what do you mean? Of course it's not good to hit your kid. But there's a lot of people who totally. say maybe they grew up with corporal punishment and it worked mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. He does a really good job at explaining why now it's really not effective. Right. Right. In the and society he, that we're in and yes. why there's yeah. a better way. It's yep. really beautiful. Yes. I love his his explanation of how perhaps it did have an appropriate time in history. He talks an about effective history. Time, an effective time. An effective. Yes. An effective time. And how now it's not. It's less effective. And, um, <clears throat> and I mean, it kind of comes down to, there's a lot of selling points here. Mm -hmm. I think the main one is, for me... It would be difficult for me to hit my kid without feeling anger right. and showing anger. And right. I think that's really uh, damaging. But the second one is, there's a lot of compelling arguments, but one of them I think it's important to know is, how can I tell my kid it's okay to hit them in response, but they can't hit other people? Totally. It's inappropriate for them. You know, totally. It's like, it's like I can Oxymoron. swear, but you yeah. can't swear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's just difficult to teach your kids something that you're not willing to model. So. Exactly. All right, guys. We are going to take a break, and we have so much more for you on how you can respond to your kids' behaviors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, I know that most of our audience is moms, and I wanted to share my favorite diaper bag with you guys. The brand is Azaria. They are super functional, simple, beautiful diaper bags. I have their original La Mer bag, and it fits just the right amount of things without getting saggy and unsupportive. I love that Azaria also offers both vegan and genuine leather for their bags. They're also great for the gym or work or anything like that. Right now, they are offering 10% off your bag with code FINDTHEMAGIC. So just head over to Azaria, A-Z-A-R-I-A dot com and use the discount code FINDTHEMAGIC at checkout for 10% off. All right, guys, so there's a lot to unpack here. And so what Terrell and I did was um, gather from this book our favorite um, tips on responding to our kids and how to kind of manage behavior um, within our kids' actions. And the first note that I wanted to, this is not a response. It's more um, a, what's the right word? a way to have less <laughs> actions that you don't like in the day is I've, I think with the um, movement towards giving our kids, creating more strong-willed kids in a good way, like we want to have them have more independence and have them be able to hold their own, etc. We are giving our kids lots of choices. And and adult amount of choices. Adult amounts of choices, right. yes. Choices that are inappropriate for their little ages. And as they get older, obviously they're going to have more choices because they can handle them. But this goes <clears throat> in that same category as having healthy boundaries is are these um, limited choices. So I look at my kids' ages and, yeah, Sunny pretty much has almost no choices at all. He's two. Mm-hmm. I choose what he wears. I choose what he eats. I choose not in a way of I am, I know best and I am powerful and I will choose your outfit. It's just. Which is true because you do know best. Right. And right, right now you do have that power. Right. And if if we start going down that road of um, so many, so many choices, then I think it creates that imbalance of power where they're feeling more omnipotent and then it goes into a power struggle. But I think if, you know, sometimes there's really no choices at all or maybe it's, okay, I'm going to let them choose their shirt between these two. But if you're going into letting them choose where do we go in the day and what are we going to eat every time, I think it just, you create a lot of messes that don't need to be. You create a lot of misbehavior and power struggle that really could just not even be there. It could just be alleviated. Because <laughs> yeah. there are plenty of places for them to choose throughout the day. And you don't have to overwhelm them with choice at too young of an age. Exactly. And even as they get older, I think it's fine for kids to understand that sometimes they have a lot of choices. Mm-hmm. And in other situations, they don't get to choose. You know? Yeah, So totally. say for like your sister's birthday party, she's choosing where we're going mm-hmm. and not you. Mm-hmm. And you're not in charge all the time. Right. And right. I think it's okay to in your own house, like for me... My kids don't choose dinner mm-hmm. because I choose what we're having for dinner. Yeah. They get to choose what they eat on their plate. Mm-hmm. But, like, they don't get to be like, wait, you didn't make chicken roll-ups and mm-hmm. I wanted chicken roll-ups. Because mm-hmm. that's going to be a nightmare if every night we're debating Ooh. over what we have to eat. Yeah. But lunches, I don't mind. We actually have a vote. I would say, I would say, like, 
maybe half the time, mm-hmm. I'll be like, hey, guys, do we want this or this? And they can all vote. Mm-hmm. And whatever vote gets the best. Because I don't care. Lunch is yeah. taking, like, five minutes to put together. Right. So it's okay to sometimes we have a choice and sometimes mm-hmm. we don't. Mm-hmm. And have them be age-appropriate choices. Right? Totally. My girls dress themselves. My six-year-old actually dresses himself. Mm-hmm. But my three-year-old, I actually do give him two options. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise... It takes us, like, I tr- one time, anyway. Otherwise, it takes us, like, a half an hour because he's, like, digging through his drawer. He gets frustrated. I get frustrated. Make so a mess. I literally just say the green shirt or the red shirt, mm-hmm. and then I have black pants to go to either one. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so he is still getting his choice muscle, mm-hmm. but it's not this, like, exhausting. And then they put on the shorts, thing. but it's snowing, oh and you're like, well, fine, you can go outside, but you're going to be cold, and then you have to change the pants anyway, and it's the whole thing. Yeah. So it's I think thing. just age-appropriate yeah. choices. I think sometimes... We do either not give any choices, and then they become teenagers and are like, whoa, I have to make my own decisions here. This is too much. Or we go the other way, and we're giving two-year-olds, like, an adult amount of choices. And it's exhausting for everybody. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Exactly. So um, that's like a – what's the right word? Prep. Yeah. (laughs) Prep for less misbehavior. (laughs) Exactly. It's a nice tip. Okay. The other thing about consequences that I love – I've always thought this, but the way Joe Newman describes it is just so effective. So good. The consequences or actions should always be immediate and they should be able to have the chance for a clean slate after Mm -hmm. and not worry about like, so for example, he's like, um, don't have be their behavior today, affect their Disneyland trip in a month. Mm -hmm. Because that's Mm -hmm. so hard for kids Mm -hmm. because kids are going to misbehave and then they have this terrible weight of, I just ruined my Disneyland trip in a month. So Throw it all out the window. Exactly. So I'm just going to misbehave for a whole month now because I'm already bad, right? Right. But the idea is the consequences should just happen right then, and then you give them the chance to start new the next day. Right. Or after the behavior, after the consequence is over. Mm-hmm. But, like, you are not from a place of judgment. Like, they can they can turn around at any time, mm-hmm. right? Which really is what I want them to know for their whole life is mm-hmm. you can turn this around at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sorry. That's a whole different philosophy. <laughs> I could clarify some things there, but I won't. Um so he gives an example of somebody, like a kid hitting a dog. Mm-hmm. Don't hit the dog. Don't hit the dog. Don't hit the dog. You tell the kid 10 times. Information response. Yeah, you're just giving information. <laughs> you're just saying words. Mm-hmm. The kid is not getting any action. So mm-hmm. to them, it's not an actual consequence. Right. They just keep hitting the dog. And then all of a sudden it's, okay, you hit the dog again. Fine. We're not going to go to the zoo this weekend. Right. That's in like four days from right. now. And has nothing to do with hitting the dog, And frankly. all the kid internalizes is, I can hit the dog. And tell some huge consequence that's in days from now. Mm-hmm. And then by the time the zoo day comes around, they've dissociated that it was even <laughs> totally. about hitting the dog, right? Yep. Yep. Even if you say with your words again, mm-hmm. it for kids, it's cause effect. Mm-hmm. I hit the dog. My mom picks me up and takes me away from the dog. Yep. Yep. I hit the dog again. Now she takes me to my room, mm-hmm. way away from the dog. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can't play with my toys for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, like, an, a very distinct, without, like, judgment or shame or anything like that, right. they just learn, oh, hitting the dog doesn't get me what I want, right? right? And then as they get older, they learn, oh, it's because I love the dog. That's why I don't hit the dog, right? right. That comes with age as right. well. Right, But I love that. He actually gives an example in his book that was so powerful, and I'm sharing it because it was really helpful for me. I could see myself doing this as a parent. Uh, he was dealing with a kid with a really uh, strongly diagnosed behavior problem, and I can't remember what this kid had, but it was something heavy right Mm -hmm. and they were working on at school with a certain behavior plan and it was really working and part of the consequences were like if he'd misbehave he would uh take like kind of like leave the classroom Mm -hmm. with his behavior specialist and they'd go like 
sit quietly before coming back. And the parents were so impressed with how well this was going that they started trying to be helpful and they would reinforce what happened at school at home. Mm -hmm. So they'd say, if you don't have to go to that, you know, the quiet room or whatever it was Mm -hmm. called, then he started like getting like, um, then, you know, we can go to the zoo this weekend Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. or get, I think it was a movie. Oh, it was a movie. Like yeah. In the new movie party or yes, something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, we can go see this movie mm-hmm. on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then what was happening though, is then when the kid would misbehave in class, he'd go to the room in the room. All he could think of was, I don't want to miss my movie this weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, please don't please take don't me here. Take me. Uh-huh. So it took all the energy off of just noticing, Oh, I misbehaved in class. Now I'm just, you know, with my behavior therapist that was just a simple consequence that he was learning from. In the moment, yeah. In the moment. But when it became this big, like, now it's my weekend movie on the line, he couldn't even grasp that what he had done in class was even connected, mattered. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, actually, and it went on for weeks and it was getting worse and worse. Finally, they realized that. And when they talked to the parents, they said, let, let like, the clean slate. Like, he mm-hmm. misbehaves in class. He goes to the, the place of quietness. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. He can start over. Like, mm-hmm. it isn't. Like holding it over his head, right? And it went right back to amazing behavior results mm-hmm. without shame and without this like long term. You're holding this beautiful thing that totally. they want in the future over their heads. Totally. And I just love that idea that like I love it. We just yeah. have a consequence, it's immediate, and then start fresh. Yes. Like I'm over it. Let's be <laughs> over done. it. Yeah. Let's have a new Let's chance. Let's get past right? it. Totally. And I think that it plays right into. Um, Another one of his tips of having the consequence, the, you know, the main thing with a consequence be not, how am I trying to explain this? Under stimulation. So it's really that boredom or no stimulation or not being in, you don't want to have the consequence be more energy, more fun, more anything than the thing that they were doing. Mm -hmm. So... And that could be exactly your little two-year-old is playing Legos with your older kids and he breaks the Legos. And instead of, oh my gosh, we don't break Legos. That's really going to hurt brother's feelings. And then you can't play Lego, da, 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 Talk whatever. About it for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. All this energy that they're not even listening to you. We just pick them up, move them away. For them, the more fun place where they want to be is with the Legos. And so you can see how that direct consequence of understimulation just works because that's, they're like, oh, if I break the Legos, I don't get to be playing with the Legos. So I want to go, I want to go back. And he, um, so you guys know, we've talked about uh, our thoughts and um, what we've read and researched on timeouts. And you can go back through episodes where we've talked about our thoughts on that. Um, So Joe in this book, he encourages using small breaks for big behaviors that you're, you're seeing in your kids where they're not able to um, be in control of themselves in a situation, i.e. a tantrum, (laughs) really. So a big um, emotional kind of breakdown in any sort of situation. So I want you to take this little break section with a grain of salt, um, check it with whatever you feel. Whenever I'm like read something and when Terrell and I read something and we want to bring it to you guys, 
if it's, if I'm not sure about it, I do like to ponder it and sometimes test it out. So with my boys, I feel like there were a couple areas where I could test out using a small break and I'll explain how he explains them. And so I did a little test and I'll tell you the, the results of this. So basically how he describes breaks is that, so your kid's tantruming, freaking out, um, <clears throat> and the action cons the action response that you're going to have is to remove them from the situation, acknowledge you're acknowledging their emotions and their response without judgment. And for a lot of these kids who were having these big physical responses, he would have to hold them, actually physically hold them. And these are older kids um, for hours, some of them. Mm -hmm. They would be tantruming for, you know, one or two hours. He even described, like, his muscles being so fatigued from, like, holding these kids. And that that's, right, like, behaviors that are in an, in another realm. And he does say with those older ones, he's like, don't just try this, like... <laughs> Get some training on this. Right, Because right. you have to be able to control your own emotions and not do it out of and anger. Not it has out. to be with yeah. love and total calmness. Mm -hmm. Like, you're, like, in a zen place, right, right. as you're right. doing it. Right. But I think you can see on a small scale. But little kids need to be held all the time right. when they're going when through they're something. Tantruming. Right. right. So, so that's the idea is, you know, <clears throat> so I picture this with my three-year-old. They both want a Lego and my... My five-year-old is at a place where he doesn't go into, like, swinging fists and freaking out and, and biting or whatever and screaming. But Lenny, you know, it's, okay, I'm going to come in. I'm going to hold you. And then he's still, I want the Lego screaming, crying. So I'm going to remove you with, like, I'm going to go with you. We're going to go somewhere. And we've talked about that. Um, going with your child to a place to calm down. Um, he takes it a step further is and the step further is okay once we've acknowledged all of this you've gotten it out once you can de-escalate without any distractions so you want to be sure you're not like come up here's a Reese's let's yeah, yeah. calm down yeah. here's a puzzle you could do to calm <laughs> right mind, you know? right so it's they have gained composure on their own. They've found a way through the emotion. And we talk about that all the time. Because we're not stifling the emotion. We're not, we're allowing them to experience it. Right. And learn, go through it and actually de-escalate on their, with their own, through their, their own, own process. Yeah. Which is, a, it gives you a feeling of accomplishment. Totally. When they we can actually go that through that themselves. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and it gives them that, yeah, the confidence that they are in control. So then... Um, what he encourages is then you have these small breaks, one to five minutes, where then once you're de-escalated, de um, you're going to be in a space of no stimulation. So again, the consequence is is boredom and stillness. And he talks about, he doesn't use the word stillness, but in my mind, it's like, I love it because our our world is really so stimulating. And I think kids aren't as good at being bored a lot of the times. Yeah, it's so good for them. Yeah, and I think it can create a space, if we do it the right way, where it's like, oh, I'm kind of feeling like I'm going to freak out. I'm going to go have some healthy reflection. Yeah. So when I was trying this with my kids, that's the exact process I would do. And then I would say, you know, I'll let you know when it's been, once they're totally calmed down, I'll let you know when it's been two minutes. And they would choose... I mean, oftentimes they would stay in their 
room or wherever they were calming down for five or ten minutes just alone. And I think I think there is a lot of times where kids need that. So, again, take it with a grain of salt. That's his... Um, and that's his explanation of breaks. Mm-hmm. I, when I did it with my kids, Lenny, so he's almost four. I mean, he maybe did like four breaks in like three weeks. And I think Cohen did one. And since then, I can say that there has been a behavior change in the specific for Lenny. It was specifically like, let me just throw punches mm-hmm. when I'm frustrated about something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I, there definitely has been a behavior change in that. So Again, Mm -hmm. with a grain of salt, if you feel like maybe your kid has an action that they could benefit from that way of de-escalating through action, try it. Mm -hmm. Or don't. (laughs) Yes. I haven't tried the break thing. I mean, I take breaks myself when I need, like I'll tell my kids, like I need some time away. So in our house so far, breaks are only positive. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm just telling Felicia, I need to, I need to like really internalize it because I think uh, I think with my three-year-old right now I think it's probably just what we need um but I think the key here is leaving together mm-hmm. letting him work and as he as he experiences emotions not to be like over talking about it like totally okay once I establish you're frustrated mm-hmm. that's all I need to say right I don't need to spend mm-hmm. the whole time trying to soothe him and coax him down I want him to be able to coax himself but I'm here with him right and then once he's down I think how I'm going to phrase it is, and I'll let you guys know how it goes, mm-hmm. because I love that Felicia's actually, like, experimented on this. I've been having to, like, really think about it. I know. <laughs> and I like the idea mm-hmm. of saying now, okay, now that, you know, now, stay in here. I would like to say, because I want it to be a, not a reward necessarily, but as a reset yeah. of, okay, come out when you're ready. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. This isn't like a think about what you've done because mm-hmm. you did something terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just a like, let's reset now. Mm-hmm. You felt the feeling. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I think when you hear this, when you hear Janome talk though, I mean, the kids he's dealing with, it is, you can tell like the best way. Totally. I mean, when you're having kids have these outbursts in class, I think it's excellent. And I'm just trying to figure out how to work that into my own what the best way to work it into my own parenting is. Yeah. And both Felicia and I talk about this all the time. Really, our main... I It's difficult to communicate something as complicated as parenting philosophy because on one hand, I never want you guys to think I'm saying be permissive. Totally. And on the other hand, I don't ever want you to uh, misinterpret one of the consequences that we talk about as something you ever do out of anger. Right. Because as soon as you start snapping and you're not unruffled about it, it loses... Not that... And give yourself grace when you do, because guess what? We all feel anger, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But um, but the none of this is, like, I don't want it to be like a, okay, grab your kid. Like, we're going to have a break, and you're, like, dragging him up the stairs. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. I think it is I think it is unruffled actions. We're taking John Lansbury, and the we're energy. taking Joan Newman, mm-hmm. and we're putting them together mm-hmm. to create this mantra of unruffled action. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be, I need to step up my action for sure at, in reading this book. Mm-hmm. But I want it to be unruffled. I want it to yeah. be... We're going to take a break. Here's what we're going to mm-hmm. do. And if I need to hold you, I'll hold you. Well, yeah. it's, yeah, it's being that, like, leader that your kids can trust. My mom won't let me go off the side of the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. But she'll keep me safe. Yeah. From she'll myself. She'll keep me safe. Yeah. From anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Okay. Another important thing that Joe Newman brings up that I think is worth just touching on here is not to force apologies. Mm-hmm. I think we want our kids to fit into manners so much. And I mean... 
I, you parents out there know, I mean, I've had to, how many times in my life have I said, thank you, please. Mm-hmm. How do we ask? Mm-hmm. What do we say after? Mm-hmm. I mean, like a bajillion times when they start saying it on their own, you're like, hallelujah. Thank you you yes. know, this, this only took 3000 times of mm-hmm. modeling. Mm-hmm. But I think apologies are difficult because when we force apologies, and this isn't the first time we've read this, but I love that he says this too. When we force apologies, what we're teaching kids is you can do whatever you want as long as you fix it with your words after. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you do this, you say sorry, it's magic, it's, it's fine. done. Mm-hmm. They didn't learn not to say the mean things to start with. They just mm-hmm. learned that words can manipulate their way out of it. Mm-hmm. So, and when you force an apology, it's not even sincere anyway. So you don't even have to be sincere about your apology, mm-hmm. right? I think the whole point of apologies as adults is that you mean them when you say them. And if somebody makes you say it, you're not actually feeling sincere. So what he says is, go again back to your unruffled action, have a consequence. So somebody does something to her, something else, you have a specific consequence, you pull them, you know, you you take them away, you take the stick away that they were hitting the person with, whatever. Or, you know, like you, you, you called your brother a name, we're going to go over here now, we're going to take a break, whatever. And then you model, and I love this, you model the apology. So you say, and we've talked about this, when you see one person wrong another person, you model the first, before you take the kid, before you have the consequence, your immediate action is to the person who was hurt. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm sorry, that looks like it really hurt. Mm-hmm. Did that hurt your eye? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, then you turn to the kid who hit them with a stick. You may not have a stick because mm-hmm. you hit with it. Mm-hmm. You know, we obviously know that's a rule. You mm-hmm. take the stick gently mm-hmm. you take a break you do whatever it is that your consequence is you establish as a family mm-hmm. but I love it because you're modeling empathy and you're modeling what an apology looks like mm-hmm. and I think a key to this is in that situation you're kind of apologizing you're, they're just seeing what an apology looks like but I think it's really important for us to model when we do things wrong because guess what we're going to respond in anger sometimes we're yep. going to use sharp words we're going to hurt people's feelings and if we can immediately with sincerity say I am sorry that I yelled. Yeah. I was feeling frustrated. And we've talked about apologies before, how they can be as simple as that. You're not blaming the kid for making you yell. You're not saying any of those things. We're modeling apologies. That's what's going to teach them what true apologies look like, not forcing them to say them. So teach by modeling and consequences, not forcing the I'm sorry. Yeah. Hug each other and write on the board. Kind of takes away the manipulative thing, which I like. Totally. Totally. All right, the next tip, and does Joe call it verbal jujitsu? Does he say that? Yeah, he calls it verbal jujitsu. So I love this concept, Um, and it's basically getting on the same side as your child, so not um, coming at them from a combative place. Instead, you're, you know, you're using the momentum of where they're choosing to going with their action, choosing to go with their action to lead them to what the consequence will be with your arm around them. You're on their side. Let me just help you see that you want something that's going to result in a consequence that maybe isn't what you're seeing. So it's kind of you're leading them into. So you're acknowledging their power. So I'm not I'm not going to, you have this choice, but here's the consequence of this behavior. So I'm not in charge of the fact that you chose to get out all dad's tools and spread them all over the lawn and leave them. But you can see that if you choose to do that, you won't be able to use the tools anymore. Mm -hmm. 
that's just the consequence of it. And I love that. It's sort of, I just imagine like an arm going around the child, like, let me show you. Uh (laughs) What is the end result of this? You choose. You know, you still have the choice. So I love that. I feel like you can use that in so many instances Mm -hmm. with kids. And just the imagery of it. I mean, I have like literally zero experience with jujitsu, the the practice of... (laughs) yes. Instead of like the redirect fighting or whatever, but I can see it, you know, I've seen it on movies and stuff. Yes. And I did have a tennis teacher once who taught jujitsu <laughs> and I can picture it like somebody's coming at you with their force. And instead of just meeting their force and mm-hmm. creating that big, like friction and explosion, mm-hmm. you literally like, you know, you guys can't see my take hands right hand here, but you just dive. take the hand and like <laughs> use their momentum and I can just picture it like, yeah, you like turn them around and now mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. standing on the same side of them and you're both looking at what they both want. Yeah. But what they want. What they want. You're yeah. like literally pointing out to mm-hmm. them like, I see you were coming at me and you wanted me to like hit back. Mm-hmm. I'm not hitting back. I'm not I actually sure. just spun you around <laughs> with your own momentum. And look, I can see what you want. Mm-hmm. I want the same thing as you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like we're on the same page here. Yes. Yes. What can you do to mm-hmm. make that consequence happen? Which leads us to... The Socratic method, mm-hmm. which is, he calls the process of realization, uh, as opposed to the process of learning, which is where you're literally telling somebody what the conclusion to be mm-hmm. is. Like, mm-hmm. we should conclude from this mm-hmm. that leaving the tools out, you know, will make sure you can't play with it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, if you ask, if you can let them come to that conclusion by asking questions, then they are bought into it on their own because they came to the conclusion on their own. So, totally. hey, I saw you got daddy's tools out. They're all over the yard. What do you think? You know, I don't even know how you could ask that question. So do you think that was the, I, I know you want to keep using them. Is mm-hmm. that the best way mm-hmm. to have daddy want you to use them tomorrow? Mm-hmm. The kid will be like, no. Mm-hmm. So what are your options now? Do you think if you put them away in the next five minutes uh, and when he comes home from work, they're put away? Mm-hmm. Do you think he lets you play them? That, you know, I don't know. You can just keep asking questions and you just keep asking questions and it, you are supposed to do it without judging and moralizing so I don't know if my example there was really great, but excuse me. Um, but the idea is you just keep asking questions. So a really good example Joe Newman uses is for homework, you know, the kid does maybe his handwriting page really sloppy. He really comes fast. and you say really fast and sloppy because he wants to get out and play. I'm experiencing this a little bit right now with this whole homeschool thing. Mm-hmm. And Joe says, um, it's not done neat enough. It's handwriting, is that mm-hmm. so? You how he'd ask it is. Does that look like good handwriting to you? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, redo it then. He does it again. Fast, sloppy, brings it back. Does that look like good handwriting to you? The instructions say your best handwriting. Is that your best? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. And then instead of just making him do it over and over, then he asks the question. I see you want to get out and play. Do you think doing it five times fast or one time slow will get you to play faster? Mm-hmm. And then the kid's like, oh, wow. one time slow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I love it because Joe says, well, if that's your theory, maybe <laughs> test it out. Like he turns around like, well, if that's the hypothesis you have, test it out and you mm-hmm. might just be right. Mm-hmm. So the kid thinks. I just figured that out. Yeah. Wow. I just cracked the code. And it's just from asking questions. Mm-hmm. Again, picturing you on the same side as the kid. I know you want to do this. What is the best way for this to happen? Mm-hmm. And see what they come up with. Because if they've come up with it themselves, guess what? They're going to buy into it. Totally. So I think totally. it's, it's way I good I love, too. yes, I love this idea. All right, guys. So there's a lot. Whew. Take a breather. And guys, this is just like a part of the book. We had for to real. distill 
big time. So much. Yes. So so much more. If it sparks your interest or you see this this dynamic, which I'm sure all of us see it a little bit in our kids, read the book. Um, Or try this. And seriously, if you and I can't emphasize this enough, if you have a kid who has been diagnosed with something, yes, you got to read this book. You have to. So I mean, because he's way above my pay grade on this. You know, totally. It's literally his life's work is dealing with kids who've been diagnosed with bipolar. Mm-hmm. Defiant. What's that defiant disorder called? Behavioral defiant. No. Like all the different. I mean, he was naming ADD, stuff, and I'm like, ADHD. those are like. I mean, serious diagnoses. Yep. And yep. That's this guy's life, career, and calling. It's yep. so cool. Yep. Or perhaps you're wondering if maybe your kid's going down that road. Seriously, read it. Um, <clears throat> so, our try this or not is going to be look at how you're responding. Um, Terlin and I both saw that we were using you know, too much talk, too much information. So how can you focus on um, responding 90% of the time, most likely with action. And the key there is to have it be calm, unruffled, non-judgmental action. It's just the consequence of this behavior is X. So focus on that. And then um, asking questions where appropriate in response to behavior. Um, all right, guys. Did you want to add anything else? Nope. I see all right. Guys. Dive in. <laughs> Let all. us know what you think. Let's find the magic. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>